Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to True Crime, the podcast that helps you find new, emerging, and undiscovered true crime podcasts. I'm Greg, the host and curator of True Crime. Well, we made it. This is the final day of our holiday week of episodes. I hope everyone loved it. We'll have another paranormal episode, ghost stories episode this afternoon. And then on Monday, we'll be back to one true crime episode a week. I hope everyone had a great holiday and have some nice plans for New Year's Eve. Today's episode is from Crime, Wine, and Chaos. Crime, Wine, and Chaos is a true crime and true chaos podcast hosted by two sisters who laugh so they don't cry. This episode is debuting simultaneously on Crime, Wine, and Chaos's show, as well as here on True Crime. I think that's pretty cool. The episode's name is A Christmas Eve Annihilation and The Santa Claus Bank Robbery. If you like today's episode, make sure to check out the episode description for links to subscribe. All right, let's get this show started. Begin. Sister. You know what? 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 Didn't they used to do that on Grey's Anatomy? Dance it out when dance shit's it out. just dance it out. Stressful. Exactly you just dance right. it out. That's exactly. You know what? Right. That's my I'm little actually, pocket of the week. That's funny. I am <laughs> actually uh, in another like uh, rewatch of Grey's because you know it's on the Netflix, so you can watch all mm-hmm. of it, and it's be it's like my. It's like my background show that I always go back to when I, it's like, sure, you know, just put it on and I'm, whatever I'm doing, sometimes I'm watching, sometimes I'm not. I've seen every episode more times than I can count. So, yep. Dance it out. Dance it out. Good for you. Dance it out. Mm-hmm. Dance it out. Mm-hmm. What's, what's new with you? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, it's, uh, the holidays are here. I'm, I'm almost, uh, actually ready. I mean, you, as you, most of your, our listeners probably could tell by now, we, we record a little in advance of when the episodes drop. So mm-hmm. while they are listening to this, hopefully on Christmas morning, uh, Merry Christmas. There's your Christmas present from Crime, Wine and Chaos. <laughs> it's not actually Christmas yet. And I'm trying hard, hard, hard to be fully done with all of my Santa-ing so that I can just mm. relax 
And uh, we have our company Christmas party coming up in a couple of days. And it's the day before Jake's birthday. So we're going to make a whole night of it. We got a hotel downtown. We're going to stay the night in a nice hotel after the party on Thursday. We're taking the day off on Friday. And then I get to just mostly not go to work for a couple of weeks. I'll be working, but I won't be in the office until... After oh. the new year, so I'm just in that oh like cup, like a one more, one more day of work, and then Thursday I'll work from home so that I can get myself ready to go downtown oh. and go party Thursday night. I and love that for you. So close, God, so just, close. I know, so close. I know the feeling. What's You're going like, on oh, with you? Right there. Let me think. I'm still trying to get uh, my new house together. I will say that um, because we are hosting a Christmas party and I was tasked uh, with decorating my house, I took it to a new level. Of course Um, you did. Of course you did. uh, you know, we've got that sort of grand staircase with a sky, two sky bridges. Yeah, in your mansion. And then there's also, yeah, it's not a mansion. And then there's also <laughs> a very tall platform that's connected to the sky bridge. Uh huh. So I wrapped all of that railing in garland and lights. Oh. I have a Christmas tree on top of the platform. Oh my God. I have one in the entryway and one in the living room. You have turned into that woman. I know it's gross. It's very, um, it's very wisteria lane, uh, in here. Uh, and I set up my Christmas village. So, um, <laughs> which I do have. Oh my God. Of course you do. It's not, it's an atheist scene. That's what I call it. What does that even mean? It's not an nativity scene. It's just a village of regular folks. <laughs> Just a regular baby, not Jesus. <laughs> yes. Just some stupid so, old regular um, baby. But you know, it's brought me some joy too. Well, it's good. like that is mixed in with um boxes boxes everywhere and it's kind of it's brought a little bit of, of joy in my in my home. Well that I it's love starting that to look you. like a home. I love that for you. What are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking out of your oh, new thank glass? Thank you for asking. Um, no, because I'm afraid I'm going to break it in this room <laughs> where I'm doing a bobbin weave to get to my seat. Okay. I was drinking in it the other night. Um, they're going to, those glasses will live here once I'm set up properly. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. It's the Andro via Temperani, I can't pronounce it. Andro via, it's a red white from Spain. A red white? Andor, a red wine. Oh. Andro, oh. Yeah. Is it delicious? Um, it's been open. It was last week when I cracked it open and is we it, were recording. It's vinegar now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah. It's you know what? It's good for the gut. A little vinegar. <laughs> That's it's true. Good for the gut. That's true. Um, so we are going to have a proper Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you promised me a Christmas crime. I did. Um, Two things. One, did you know that there is a whole ass series on ID called Homicide for the Holidays? Uh, no, but of course there is. What are we actually doing? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to tell you one and it's going to bum you out. Great. I, I mean, Great. this Santa is how we brought do me a bummer. <laughs> crime story tell it to this me, is sister. how we do christmas here great well we were talking about this one a few months ago with sweet baby jake because this happened in his neighborhood 
This happened in Jake's neighborhood. I'm at his dad's house. Incarnation. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to tell you about the, the Carnation Washington family Christmas massacre. <gasps> Holy shit. Okay. Jake is going to okay. lose his shit. Go on. He's all right. All right. So Carnation, Washington, for those listeners who aren't in Washington, is about 25 miles east of Seattle. It has about 2000 residents. It's pretty rural. And most of the people who live there work in the farming industry. Because it is so small, it's really close knit and friendly and everybody knows each other. Have you ever been to, I think it's in Car- Incarnation, Remington Farms? Oh, my God. You it's mean so Rem- Remington or Remlinger? Rem- oh, that's right, because I used to call it Rimlicker as a joke. <laughs> Jake, can tell Sorry. You, Jake can tell you about Remlinger Farms, too. He knows those mm. people. He knows the people that run it, the family that owns Whoops, it. Whoops, sorry. No disrespect <laughs> to the Remlingers. Uh, you know how you do little tricks in your mind to remember yeah, names? No, it totally. didn't work because I actually, called it Remington. Remlingers berries are my favorite berries. You can mm-hmm, buy them in the grocery mm-hmm. store locally around here in the freezer section, and they are the best berries. And they They're make, the best. I. They make amazing yeah, pies. In fact... In fact, we literally tracked down, Jake literally tracked down a Remlinger pie for Thanksgiving this year because Aww. they're poisonberry pie. I think it's poisonberry or marionberry. Marionberry, one of those two. They make delicious pies. Yes, I've had their jam. It is delicious. Remlinger, it's amazing. So anyway, um, it's considered a really safe place to live and to raise a family. Violent crimes are pretty much unheard of there. Uh, this was true up until December 24th, Christmas Eve of 2007, which was the day that one of the worst murder cases in Washington state history happened in Carnation. Wow. How do I not know, I know. this story? I don't know. I don't know. So drugs, um, too many j- drugs. <clears throat> That's okay, sister. You're clear-headed right now, and I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, and it's going to be all good. Okay. Um, we are going to talk about the Anderson family. So okay. Judy Anderson, she's 61, and her husband, Wayne, is 60. They've been happily married for 31 years. Judy worked for the post office, and Wayne worked at Boeing as an engineer. They had three children, Mary, uh, Scott, and Michelle. And Scott was married to Erica. Scott and Erica had two little kids, Olivia, five, and Nathan, three. So Michelle Anderson, who is the, um, she is 29. She lives on her parents' property with her boyfriend, Joseph McEnroe, who's also 29, in a trailer. They're on like 10 acres. Oh, you know what? I think I, okay, I'm, I'm. It's be- I'm remembering now. Okay, keep going. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is she, yeah, the, so is Judy- she the oldest of the kids or the youngest, Michelle? She uh, Michelle is the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So she's living on her parents' 10-acre property with her boyfriend in a trailer, and uh, they have pretty unexceptional, unexceptional lives. <laughs> That's rude. Why did I write that? <laughs> they have – there's – they're not doing anything. They're not doing noteworthy. anything. No, right. Okay. No. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So they both really I mean, struggle I'm assuming, socially. I'm assuming they're living there for free, probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There. This is just like this is classic, right? So they met each other online in a fantasy fiction chat room. Okay. 
And I think from what I gather, they just live their lives in their little, I imagine, dirty trailer, like gaming, and that's about it. Not right. working, not, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's Christmas Eve 2007, and the family is getting together at Judy and Wayne's house. There's a roast cooking in the oven, and Judy was just finishing up wrapping gifts for her grandkids before they arrived, and Wayne was on the couch watching TV. That is when Michelle and Joseph came into the house, each armed with a handgun, and Joseph distracted Judy while Michelle shot her dad. Whoa, she shot her dad? Uh On the couch? Yeah. This case is tough. This is, I'm just going to trigger warning across the board. It's tough. Okay. So her gun jams. So Joseph goes over and um, shoots Wayne for her and then went and shot Judy and killed them both instantly. Oh. Yeah. So they cleaned up the room and dragged both uh, Judy and Wayne out to a shed behind the house. And then they went back inside and waited for the rest of the family members to show up. Her brother and sister and her sister-in-law and her niece and nephew. So her sister isn't one of the guests. I don't know if she lives out of state, but it's her brother and his wife and the two little kids. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So about an hour later, Michelle's brother, Scott, with his wife, Erica, and the two little kiddos showed up for the holiday celebration, and they came into the house and nothing seemed off, um, you know, because they had cleaned up. So they sat down and got comfortable. And that's when Michelle fired at Scott, and she shot him a total of four times. <gasps> yeah, um, this is a trigger warning. This is bad. So Erica manages to call 911. It's around 5 p.m. And on the call with uh, the dispatcher, she is heard screaming, saying, not the kids, not the kids. Oh, no. And then the call ends. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle then shot Erica twice. And at this point, uh, Michelle was out of bullets. So she tells Joseph that he needs to shoot the kids. (gasps) And so I know. I know. So Joseph does what Michelle says. So with a total of 14 bullets, Michelle and Joseph wiped out all six of Michelle's family members. Oh, my God. Uh, I I know. <sighs> Fucking terrible. I mean, it. I can't imagine showing up for Christmas at no. your parents' house. And... I can't... I can't fucking imagine. Yeah. Do you need a minute? I'm okay. Keep, I mean, I'm not okay, but okay. Keep going. So, okay. The next day, uh, December 26th at the post office, the 25th, you mean? Oh, sorry. Oh no. So it wasn't the next day on December 26th as the post office employees are returning to work. So it's been a day and a half. (sighs) Okay. Okay. After, after the holiday, Linda, Teal, an employee at the post office, was surprised when her best friend Judy didn't show up for work. And Linda knew it wasn't like Judy to not show up. So she was afraid that something was wrong. So she left work and went to the Anderson's property, uh, arriving shortly after 8am. Okay. The gate to the property was locked, which was weird. But this was done by Michelle after, after the murders, she locked the property up. 
these people are just so fucking stupid, Michelle and Joseph. So Linda got out of her car at the gate and walked, uh, walked through the property and onto the front porch. She went in the front door. Um, and when she entered the house, she immediately sees Scott Anderson lying on the floor and not far from Scott were the bodies of Erica and Nathan, the little boy. And then, um, when she looked closer, she could see um, Olivia behind her mom on the floor. Oh, my God. They just left them mm-hmm. there? Yes. So the only reason they moved the parents was so that they could get away, so that they wouldn't be seen when her brother yeah, and them showed up. Yeah, they acted all like, come on in, Merry <clears throat> Christmas, oh blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I don't know what they told them, like, oh, mom and dad ran to the store. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like... There was nothing suspicious. They came in and got comfortable, probably grabbed a drink, settled in on the couch, like normal Christmas. I just, it's so fucking chilling, the whole thing. (sighs) So Linda didn't have her cell phone on her. So she went up into Judy and Wayne's bedroom and called 911 from the landline. And the phone call between Linda and the dispatcher was around 30 minutes long. And Linda told the dispatcher that Judy and Wayne's daughter Michelle lived on the property in a trailer and Michelle had been upset with Judy and Wayne over money. Uh-huh. And she worried that Michelle may have been involved in the killings. Okay. Yeah. This is scary. Linda said on the phone, quote, the gate was locked, which makes me wonder if her daughter did it, which is scary because then I might be up here with a murderer. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's pretty remote. I mean, they're on 10 acres and she's, oh, yeah, using the landline because she doesn't have a cell phone. And who the fuck knows if someone is still there? I can't. Yeah. And this is like 2007. So even if she did have a cell phone, her cell phone might not have even worked out there at that time very well. Like her reception Mm might have been pretty. I mean, Carnation is like more and more now. It's just part of Pugetropolis. But it is out there. I mean, it's even from my house. I'm in Redmond. It takes me. It would take me a good 25 minutes to get out to jake's dad's place incarnation yeah oh it's so terrifying so terrifying so the police arrive at around 9 30 a.m and they find scott and erica and nathan and little olivia um all four had been shot in the head they begin combing the house for evidence and when officers went outside to the shed that's when they found the bodies of judy and wayne yeah so around three hours after the police arrived, Michelle and Joseph come pulling up to the Anderson property. And what? they're just like, hey, yeah. Where the fuck yeah. were they? I'm not sure where they were, but they didn't even <clears throat> seem they weren't alarmed by the police presence. Michelle didn't ask if her parents were o- okay. They just were like, oh, wait, what's going on? Hey. Yeah. What? Yeah. Really weird. Mm-hmm. They have to. I These mean, guys are, are they? They're addicts, right? I don't know. It didn't say that, but I. I mean, there's definitely, I think, some mental health issues going on here. This just sounds I, like the behavior of people that are loaded. Um, you know, which part? Just the like. It just the cap, like the 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 disconnect. You um, know. Mm-hmm. And like the selfishness, like the whole thing about they're arguing about money. It's like, why does she even need money? She's got everything taken care of. The only reason they would need money is if they needed to buy more drugs. 
Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. I don't know either. <clears throat> yeah. So um, the police start questioning Michelle and Joseph, and they say that they were on their way to Vegas to get married, but they got lost. So they turned around and came home. Uh, they got lost trying to get to Vegas? I Yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- <laughs> yeah. But they couldn't yeah, find a freeway? I'm- I don't. What? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, they were going to do that. Um, so they turned around and came home. And Michelle said that the last time she saw her parents was Christmas Eve before heading out for Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah. Um, when the detectives asked Michelle why she thought they were all at her house, she immediately just broke down and said, it's not Joe's fault. It's my fault. As soon as I shot the gun, I felt so bad. Like, what the hell have I done? I'm a monster. Like, she wasn't even being interrogated, and she just, like, immediately confessed. Like, what? I don't know. What? See, this is what I'm saying. This is the behavior of an addict. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, there definitely something isn't isn't firing off correctly in their brains, you know? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, The detectives asked Michelle why they had to kill the children. And she said because they would have been scarred for life after seeing what happened to their parents. Oh, my God. It's like that guy from the the Mount Mount Vernon, the Mount Vernon case. Remember that that teenager? Uh was like, Oh, I wish I would have killed her so she wouldn't have to deal with this trauma. Yes. And how weird it uh, it, is. Such a fucking weird disconnect of like, God. You care about the trauma that you, I don't understand, which also is bullshit. Like you just, you would have had, I mean, on the one hand, it's like they would have had witnesses, obvs, but then on the other hand, like she's barely being questioned and she already confessed. So So I'm not really sure what what the fuck these guys. Yeah. What is she even doing? I have no idea. Um, She went on to say that her brother Scott owed her $40,000 and refused to pay her back. And that her parents had started saying that after the new year, they were going to start charging her rent for living on their property. I mean, she's fucking 29 years old. Seriously. I, they had already been there for a year living for free. I, okay. So th- the, it, there is by something all accounts, so wrong. I, well, it's like the, the notion that, 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 that a money problem in her mind, it's a money problem. The notion mm-hmm. that the solution to a money problem is like full family annihilation is right. so insane. Yes. Yes. I mean, we're talking about, first off, $40,000. It's like, we're not talking, this isn't millions. This isn't the fucking cartel. Like, not right. that any amount is worth killing people, but it's so sad when it's so insignificant. Like, what the f- What, did Seriously? she think that if she killed everyone, then all of their assets would go to her? Maybe, or if nothing else, they could just chill on the 10 acres, unbothered. Well, who was bothering them before? Well, you know, they were going to have to start paying rent. At right, 29 like, years old. I, and you know their started. parents were going to charge them like 500 bucks a month. It was going to be like a token amount. Probably, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like she could have made that working at McDonald's. 
Totally. And here's the thing that I, okay, I'm constantly always like perplexed over nature nurture. Like by all accounts, Mary and Scott were doing really well. And Michelle is just like a fucking dud of a human. And I'm not quite sure. Like, Like how are we even related? Yeah. How are you 29 years old and you don't have a job and you live in a trailer on your parents' property and you think it's bullshit that they're going to charge you rent? Like what is going on? I don't, yeah, I I, can't. Anyway, so they asked Michelle how long she had been planning the murders, and she said that she had decided about two weeks ago that she would kill her family on Christmas Eve, and that she asked Joseph to help her. And the whole time Joseph is just standing there next to her while she's crying (laughs) and telling the police everything? I don't know. What is he doing? He's just like picking his I'm not sure where he... (laughs) You know what? He's probably in the trailer gaming. Just like, oh, so, someone's he here right away. now. He just walked out of the car and like went to the trailer and picked up yeah. the controller. Yeah. You got this handled. I need a snack. I got to go. You, you're good. We're good. I have a I raid. Mean, to- oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah, they end up both confessing and talking to uh, authorities for about two hours. And they went into detail about who killed which family member. That's how and we then know. T- uh-huh. And told the detectives that they tossed both of the guns into the Stillaguamish River. Okay. <sighs> I, I Where do they even get these under- guns? They don't even have jobs. How are they buying I'm guns? Not, I'm not sure if they bought them. Uh, my inclination is that, like, this is a family that lives on 10 acres. I wouldn't be surprised if those were her parents just stuff, had them. Yeah. That's yeah, true. You know, That's true. Not uncommon when you're living the this rustic is a good, life. This is a this PSA brought to you by Naomi. This is a good reason why, even if you have legit reasons to own guns, they should be locked away uh-huh. by the person who owns them, and only the person who owns them should have access to them. Yeah. It's also that thing too, this happens. This is not the first case where it's the parents that own the guns and their adult child that I think you, I don't know that the parents necessarily saw, I mean, it's easy for us to see all the red flags of Michelle and Joseph being 30 years old and like living in like fantasy fiction chat rooms and in a trailer. Like to me, that's a big mental health red flag, but I could, you know what I mean? I don't know that the parents, like everyone on this property is an adult. So sure. I don't know. You know what I mean? I do. I do. It's so hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of fucked. So on December 28th, Michelle and Joseph were each charged with six counts of aggravated murder. They made it a total of four days. Okay. Before they were charged. Okay. (laughs) I mean, they're not really very good at this. And scene. And scene. Mm -hmm. So... Even though uh, they were, they confessed and they were charged, the trial process took forever and cost taxpayers millions of dollars. Why? Because, well, because (laughs) in October of, well, fun fact, in October of 2008, King County Prosecutor Dan Satterberg said he would seek the death penalty for Joseph and Michelle. However... This received significant pushback from Judge Jeffrey Ramstall, who ruled against it. And Governor Jay Inslee also said that no one would be executed while he was in office. Which is true. Which is true. And um, 
and I'm here for that. Yep. I'm also yep. I'm also anti that. Hundred percent. We don't want to give the state yeah. the 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 power to murder its citizens. No, yep. no, we don't. But because of all of that, it wasn't until September of 2013 Whoa. that the Washington, yeah. Also, too, during this time, so they're charged in, well, in the, one of the last two days of 2007. So basically 2008. They go to trial in 2015. That and is, during that time. That's seven years that they sat in county. Yeah. And their defense attorneys were like p- asking for them to be released on bail. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> the was like, no. But here's the thing. And I know this. County is not designed to hold people long term. So that means oh, that I know. when you're in county, you never see sunlight. There is no mm-hmm. yard. There is no outside. And they're crowded. So like it is it is entirely inhumane for people to sit for years in county. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I agree. Um, I used to tell people at all the time that prisons were nicer than jails. They are. And for exactly that reason. It's it's designed to be permanent housing. There is the rare instance, and I only know this from my previous life, of transporting people from Monroe Penitentiary. If it was going to be a long trial or if they were very dangerous, they would be housed in a prison and transported oh, really? for court. Yeah, sometimes. But like on rare occasions rare occasions yeah these mm-hmm. two should not have sat in county for seven years that's insane that's un. that is uh cruel and unusual agreed agreed i'm not sure it didn't say where they were sitting but i presume that that's probably where so it was september 5th of 2013 when the washington state supreme court overturned judge ramsdell's ruling regarding the death penalty and ordered that the trials of michelle and joseph would go on and that they would be tried separately so uh joseph went to trial first on january 20th 2015 and king county prosecutor scott o'toole was pushing for joseph to be sentenced to death uh, while Joseph's defense attorney argued that he was mentally ill and been he had been coerced into killing the family by Michelle. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. if that look, the defense's job when when the death penalty on is on the table, the defense's job is not to f- get them free, but to. At that point, when it's he's confessed, essentially, mm-hmm. at that point, the defense's job is to save his life, right? So the, yeah. the defense oh. is doing what the defense is supposed to do, which is to get people to, to get the jury to agree with him that maybe this guy doesn't deserve to hang. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all he really can do at this point is try and get him the best sentence that he can. Yep. Um, Joseph said that his girlfriend tricked him into killing a lovely family. And he said because she was jealous and she felt entitled. 
He also said that she broke him down and trained him to be obedient and that she treated him like an attack dog. I mean, okay. I'm not throwing her any bones, so okay. No, no. No. Um, On March 25th, 2015, the jury found Joseph McEnron guilty of six counts of aggregated first-degree murder. He showed little emotion during the trial. On April 3rd of 2015, he was barely able to make a coherent sentence due to being heavily medicated with anti-anxieties and antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And at one point he, during the trial, he started laughing hysterically. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-huh. That does, that's and not when, a good look. No, no. Hysterical laughing when it's inappropriate is creepy. Did that ever happen in your courtroom? Did you ever see anybody lose it and just start laughing? Um, When it wasn't the right time to be laughing? Probably. I saw someone fall asleep once. (laughs) Wasn't that like over Zoom, though? (laughs) No, no, that that was was in in court. That was in the jury box, right? Somebody fell asleep in the jury box? Someone fell asleep. Yeah, there was the the gal that forgot to turn her camera off on Zoom court and went to the bathroom. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my God. I always called Zoom court like, imagine like the most fucking dysfunctional Brady Bunch. That's what we were doing. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, Yeah. So he was laughing uncontrollably. And then um, when describing the look on Judy Anderson's face when he shot her, he put his arm over his head and began rocking back and forth uncontrollably. Okay. You know what? Dial back on the meds, guys. Uh, (laughs) Or take it up a notch. Maybe you're on the wrong ones. I'm not sure. Something needs to be tweaked. Anti-anxiety meds means he's all zannied out, okay? He's like Xanax to the max. Either that or like Klonopin, right? Like it's a benzo. He is loopy as shit. And then you add some yeah. other medicine on top of that, and it's like he might as well just be drunk. Okay, but if you're if you have even a, a little bit of a soul, and I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes for a second here, to um to have seen the look on Judy's face right before he did what he did. And that is a a little, a little clip, a little movie clip that will play over and over and over again in his mind for the rest of his life. I I imagine you would need to be heavily medicated to be okay with that. Oh no, hundred percent. And also probably like any mental health issues that were existing before were are only exacerbated by the PTSD that he has self-inflicted by committing this heinous act. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, So Joseph, you know, he held on to his claim that Michelle manipulated him and that he felt that he had no choice but to participate in the killings. But prosecutors were like, Nah, they told the jury that Joseph did play an equal role. And on being questioned by Prosecutor O'Toole, Joseph lashed out and said, you know what? Fuck it. If you want to kill me, go ahead. Kill me. I don't care. Like he lost his shit in the courtroom. Yeah. So in Washington state for the jury to recommend the death penalty, all 12 jurors must be in favor. And in Joseph's case, there were eight who were for death and four who were not. Mm-hmm. So he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. So then we go on to Michelle's trial. Uh-oh. Um, 
Well, she has the benefit of going second. And because of the outcome of Joseph's trial, King County prosecutor Dan Satterberg again announced that Michelle Anderson would not face the death penalty. He said, quote, to. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Okay, no. Did you have a question? No, I'm just like, all of a sudden, he doesn't care about the death penalty. Um, I think that he would be, I mean, I don't know what the negative implications would be for him to ask for it and not get it. Like, she's going to get life. She confessed. But it was off the table, maybe for the sake of ease for the trial. Like, he's not going to be arguing that. Okay. Because it's not going to happen because Joseph went first and it's not going to happen. Did they both confess but then plead not guilty? Yes. Oh, Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are yeah. we having trials? Okay. <laughs> yes, it costs the taxpayers millions to get what they would have gotten if they had just taken a plea deal in the first place. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so he said, quote, to proceed with the death, death penalty case against Michelle Anderson in light of the sentence imposed on defendant Joseph McEnron would not be in the interest of justice. Okay. Okay. So, uh, January 25th, 2016, Michelle's trial begins. In his opening statements, O'Toole stated that, quote, the motive for these murders is pure, unadulterated greed. Referring to an interview Michelle had with a detective in which she brought up money more than 35 times in her explanation as to why she killed her family. Jesus. I, I, it's fucking gross. I, okay. All she had to do was write it out. All she had to do was write it out. She was going to get that property. Like, she was going to get that property. She was going to split it with her fucking siblings when her parents passed. Like, she was going to be fine. Yeah. And it's not like she was homeless and hungry. And, like, this was a very loving family who they were not letting their child just be fucked. They were taking care of her, but that doesn't mean that they get, she gets everything that they've worked their asses off for. And that's not how this, it's just so fucking gr- How do you end up with such an entitled shithead? I don't know. That's- when you're hardworking people, that's my biggest fear. <laughs> I mean, I'm you know, kidding. I mean, she's the youngest. She was the baby. Mm-hmm. Parenting style changes from oldest to youngest. I know, but the baby in our family is a fucking go-getting badass. Oh, like, I mean, how does you know, this we happen? all got the good genes. You know what I mean? Oh, I guess so. Well, I mean, Fuck, except I for don't me. Know. Except for me. But you two. You two are no. rocking it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> You're me crushing get, it at it just, life. It took me longer to get there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sister, I feel like my life is just starting in my 40s. So Preach. Preach. And there's nothing wrong with that. I figured it out. That's the other thing, too. I One of the things... Sorry, I keep going on, on these side tangents. One of the things that... Um, not to throw Michelle or Joseph a bone, but one of the things that always stuck out in my mind um, in watching Bowling for Columbine is like... Um, I think they were interviewing the two dudes that went to Columbine High School that are, are the creators of South Park. Yeah. And he was... They were saying, like, I wish that people this age could just know that what's happening now isn't going to happen forever. Right. Like, this is such a stupid 
period of your life, like being young and not having direction and all the things and like making these permanent decisions is such a fucking bad idea. If you could just hang in there. Yep. You know? Yep. It's like, fuck. Yep. That's just what I thought of when I said I feel like my life started at 40 is like, yeah, she's 29. She should be doing better. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you could have made your own millions like. Ugh, so fucking frustrating. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so she yeah, she talks about money 35 times the tape of Michelle's confession sent mixed messages to the jury because she calls herself a monster and a bad person for murdering her family. Then she goes on to say that her mother and her father and her brother had abused her over the years. And she said, quote, I wasted my life because of these assholes. It's not fair. They all abused her. Okay. That's that's what she said. I know. Yeah. Um, It also came to light during the trial that Michelle hated uh, her brother, Scott's wife, Erica, because she felt like Erica had pushed her out of her brother's life. And uh, the O'Toole, the prosecutor, said that Michelle truly, truly, truly fucking hated Erica. Pushed her out of her brother's life, the same brother who was an asshole who abused her. Uh-huh. And then who she killed. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're right. Mixed messages. Uh-huh. Um, towards the end of her trial, Michelle also had an outburst in which she yelled at Judge Ramsdell, telling him she was going to file charges. Oh, sorry. Telling her she was going to file charges against her court-appointed attorneys whom she was convinced had been lying to her. She had wanted to temporarily leave jail and find her own private counselor, but she was not granted permission to do so. And so she blamed the judge, who she said was violating her rights. I I agree on some level that her rights probably were violated, but nothing good ever comes from yelling at a judge in their courtroom, ever. Mm, no, no, <laughs> uh-uh. No. I mean, not if you're trying to actually get results. That's no. not going to do it. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. And also, like, she's clearly not well. She's, like, she's unhinged, right? Right. So Michelle's attorneys didn't call a single witness to the stand during her trial, citing how difficult she had been refusing to cooperate or communicate with them. That tracks. Yeah. On March 4th, 2016, Michelle Anderson was convicted of six counts of aggravated murder in the first degree. And on April 21st, she was also sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yep. (sighs) Christmas. Wow. Just trying to have a family Christmas. Oh, my God. You know what? It puts things in perspective, though, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, when you when I did the um, the Gainesville case and the one the thing that got you was grandpa coming in with with the the steaks. steaks. Yeah, this one got me in that same way. Yeah, just totally unassuming. Like this is what we do every year on Christmas. And I'm just picturing like mom has a roast in the oven. Dad's on the couch watching TV. Brother and sister-in-law come in with their kids who are all excited they Santa, don't suspect anything. Gifts, the whole yes. Thing. They're going to yeah, make cookies so, with grandma. Mhm. It's so fucking chilling. <sighs> to I just Ugh, yeah. Fucking awful. Wow. Sister, um that was a bummer. 
I'm so sorry. You said Christmas and I brought you Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> for me? <laughs> yes, it's all for you. Oh my God. Santa King. Oh my God. I, yeah, you know, I, I had heard that story, but it's like I didn't remember. I didn't remember like all the, the, the specifics around it. I just, I re- I do, but I did recognize it once you started talking about them being out in the trailer on the property and the boyfriend that she met online. Like, oh yeah, okay, I do mm-hmm. semi recall this, but I, I guess I just maybe I blocked it out because it's so horrific. I mean, it's a full yeah. like massacre, family annihilation. That is insane. I mean, it's insane. Ugh. It's insane. It's totally fucking insane. Yeah. And it's awful. I cannot imagine. No, I cannot mm-hmm. imagine. I won't, I, a- I won't ask you if you can. I then. can't wrap my brain around it in any way, being in any way, shape, or form a part of that scenario, like on any Mm-mm. side of that equation. It's just... No. That's crazy pants. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, oh. question mark? Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. How about I shift gears for us a little bit here and tell you tell you a christmas themed chaos story how's that okay i love Um, it there is some crime involved but uh it's a little bit out of control so i'm going to tell you about the santa claus bank robbery okay Mm -hmm. we're going all the way back to 1927 in oh. Texas, where Marshall Ratliff has a plan. You see, Ratliff was just paroled from prison, where he'd been serving a very long sentence for a bank robbery he'd committed in Valera, Texas. And I Ooh. guess this was the only way this guy knew how to make a living. So he was uh- planning another bank heist. <laughs> Okay. In Cisco this time, which is where he had been living prior to his stint in prison. It's late in the year, and Ratliff has set up his villain's lair in Wichita Falls, which was really just a boarding house run by Mrs. Midge Tillett. And he had assembled his minions. (laughs) He originally wanted to make this a family affair and bring in his brother, Lee. But Lee had just been picked up again and thrown back into the slammer. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. What's Lee doing? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a family thing. We don't know. So I have okay, no idea. It. So Ratliff did know a couple of dudes from Huntsville, Henry Helms and Robert Hill, and they were both also ex-cons, and they pulled in a safe cracker. But he fell ill with the flu, so they enlisted Lewis Davis, who was a relative of... Henry Helms. And he had a family that he needed to support. And they promised Davis that they would score big and it would be totally worth the risk. Oh. So, the morning of Friday, December 23rd, the group arrived in Cisco in a car that they had stolen in Wichita. Ratliff knew this robbery was going to be risky for him since he was from Cisco and he could easily be recognized. So as they neared the area of the bank, which sat in the heart of the town, Ratliff put on his disguise, a Santa Uh -uh. costume he borrowed from his landlady, Midge. 
Oh my God. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't shit where you eat. So I guess Santa it is. Santa it is. <laughs> so he gets out of the car alone and he saunters down the main street dressed as Santa with a big old smile on his face. And since everything in town was decked out for Christmas, no one even batted an eye. It's kind of brilliant. So, right? (laughs) So kids were approaching him. They were all excited. And he stopped and he chatted with them. He answered their questions. (gasps) He patted them on the head. Some of them even followed him. Oh, it's Santa. (laughs) Oh, God. A couple of them followed him into the alley where he met his fellow would-be bank robbers. Some of them followed him all the way into the bank. No. Oh, God. As soon as he walked Yikes. into the bank, one of the cashiers kindly greeted him. Hi, Santa. Uh, oh, no. But he didn't respond. He just walked to the island in the middle of the lobby, you know, where I think where they keep like the pens and the slips and things. <laughs> yeah. There were customers at the counter with the other cashiers and a couple um, a couple of which they also greeted Santa. Right. They also like mm. waved and said hi to Santa. And he continued to ignore them. And then Robert Hill came in, pointed his gun at a cashier, and yelled, hands up! Was he dressed like an elf? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wish he was. I wish he was, too. (laughs) Henry didn't need a disguise. Nobody knew who Henry was. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So Henry Helms and then Louis Davis followed quickly... uh, the other two follow quickly behind and they were also brandishing their guns. So now there's the three guys without the Santa suits. They've got their guns. Um, Ratliff made his way behind the cashier counter, opened a drawer under the counter and found a gun and put it in his waistband. So this is a good time to tell you that at this time, Texas was subjected to three or four bank robberies a day. A day? A day. What the fuck kind of lack of security measures are happening specifically in Texas? I don't know. Oh, my God. So the Texas Bankers Association was offering a $5,000 reward, which I don't know how much that is in 2022, but I think a lot, to (laughs) anyone shooting at a bank robber during the crime. Oh, okay, Texas. Uh-huh. <laughs> because regular folks are just in the bank with their guns. Well, I imagine this is why there was a gun <laughs> yeah. just chilling in a drawer at the cashier mm-hmm. window. And it's likely how Ratliff knew he could probably find one there. Oh, my God. So now like, all four I just robbers- lucked out and got my Christmas money. <laughs> <laughs> so now all four robbers are armed. And then Santa proceeded to rob the bank, including the vault, while the other three men kept their guns, some of them automatics, trained on the customers and the employees. In the midst oh of all God. this, a woman and her son entered the bank, not realizing what was going on. So her son could go see Santa. In the midst of all this, a woman and her son entered the bank, not realizing what was going on, so her son could go see Santa. Uh, He's in this bank with those other four (laughs) weird guys. Let's see if he has a candy cane. So (laughs) as soon as she figured out a robbery was in progress, she grabbed her son and ran to the 
office in the back yelling when she got there, they're robbing the bank. And then she made a beeline for the door in the back of the office that emptied into the alley, shoved her son out the door, telling him to run. And then she ran out the door herself as the robbers were yelling at her that they would shoot if she left. So she oh, went, my God. She went running straight to City Hall, screaming the whole way that the bank was being robbed and got to City Hall, told the police there's a robbery in progress. So basically, the whole town knows now. Oh, shit. <laughs> police Chief G.E. Bedford, otherwise known as Chief Bit. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. What? Why? It's Texas. Oh, Oh my God. Chief Bit. Mm -hmm. He grabs a riot gun and some of his officers and they make their way to the bank and they post up around the outside forming a perimeter, right? Mm Mm-hmm. No one is really sure who fired first. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter. A shootout began. (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny. No, it... A bullet came out of the bank through one of the plate glass windows and the officers returned fire. But then just a shit ton of gunfire breaks out. Many of the passerbys who had guns on them started firing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And even more had rushed to the hardware store to get pistols and rifles. People are buying guns mid shootout. <laughs> yes. Shut the fuck. You're like, I need to find an ace right now. Yes. I want in on this. I want in. <laughs> oh my God. It was either the postmaster or the assistant postmaster that managed to hit one of the robbers in the arm. And mm. of course, innocents were not well protected. One cashier was hit in the jaw and one c- customer was hit in the leg. Hmm. So the robber gang rounded up everyone in the bank and forced them out the door towards the stolen getaway car. Some of them were injured in this process. Most of them got away, but the four bandits kept two little girls as, as shields slash hostages. Oh, fuck right off. Mm-hmm. 12-year-old Laverne Cummer and 10-year-old Emma May Robertson. Hmm. By the time the six of them got to the alley where the car waited, more than a hundred rounds had been fired in the shootout. Shit. In the end, three of the four officers were shot, two of them mortally, including Chief Bit. Oh. He had stood at the head of the alley in an attempt to block their path to the car and been shot five times. Oh, I feel terrible for making fun of his name now. I know. R.I.P. Chief Bit. I I'm know. I'm sorry. He died a I few hours back. later. Oh, fuck. Um, Ratliff had also been hit twice in the chin and in the leg. Can you imagine getting Ugh. hit in the chin? It keeps saying in the no. chin, and I'm like, ugh. Earlier when you said someone was hit in the jaw, I was like, Ugh. oh, God. I know. That sounds horrible. Oh, fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. that really does. So the one officer who remained unwounded ran back to the police station to grab more guns and chase them on foot. But he was picked up by a civilian in a vehicle and who aided him in his pursuit. Oh, now, okay. So there's, there's civilians that are shooting and civilians that decided that they were the self-appointed getaway car too. No, no, they were helping the, no, no, not the getaway car, the police officer. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought they were like 
Come on, hop in, Santa. I got you. No, no, okay. no. So the assholes <laughs> okay. who robbed the bank are driving down the main drag of town, mm, mm-hmm. and they're being chased by a mob. Oh shit! When they realize they're almost out of gas because they forgot to fill up before the robbery. Oh my god! Wow. This guy is a seasoned bank robber. Right? What are you doing? Right? Mm-hmm. So they're almost at the edge of town, and one of their tires gets blown out by someone in the angry mob with a gun, and they piled out of the car, <laughs> waving their guns, and they stop a passing Oldsmobile driven by a 14-year-old. Wait, what? What is going on? Texas. <laughs> And now they're transferring their hostages, their loot, and their injured crew into this hijacked, carjacked Oldsmobile. Mm. All in the midst Mm -hmm. of continued gunfire from the mob. Oh, my God. Except. This is chaos. I told you. They can't actually start the car because that 14-year-old cleverly took the keys with him when he was ordered out of the car. Holy shit. Fuck it. In all of this, the fucking fourteen-year-old yeah. for the win. Yeah, I just out getting some milk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or a last-minute mm-hmm. gift for his ma. Sure. So by this time, Lewis Davis was unconscious, and they decided to go back to the original getaway car. And <laughs> with they- the tires blown out and no gas. Yeah, and they left. Oh, okay, and they left, and they left Davis behind. Hmm. Uh, but Robert Hill got hit by a rifle bullet during this second shuffle, and it was only later that they realized it wasn't only Davis that they had left behind in the old, but also all the stolen money as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking idiots. God damn it. <laughs> the mob found Davis and all the money and took a pause from chasing the rest of the robbers. The money was returned to the bank. There was... $12,400 in cash and $150,000 in non-negotiable securities. So that equals $205,500 in cash in today's money. Shit. And the non-negotiable securities were probably government savings bonds that today trans- $150,000 then translates to 2.4 million today. Holy shit. Lewis Davis, the only one of the four robbers who had no record to speak of, was taken to Fort Worth Hospital, and he immediately died from his gunshot wounds. Oh. The rest of the gang raced out of town, firing back on (laughs) one of the cars that was still chasing them, turned off onto a dirt road, and threw nails out of the car in an attempt to disable the pursuing vehicle. Shit. Then they took another turn right into a pasture, running over scrub brush and cactus until they couldn't go any further. At this point, they had to abandon the vehicle and the two little girls they were holding hostage and run on foot. Oh, my God. Were the little girls hurt? I saw no comments that they were hurt or not. So I think they were okay. Okay. Okay, good. An official in Cisco had put a call in to Sheriff John Hart of Eastland, Texas, which was the county seat. And he and his deputies piled into their cars and headed out to join the manhunt, starting at the abandoned vehicle. They were followed by a bunch of reporters, including Boyce House, who wrote, quote, 
Officers and citizens poured in from all that section of the state, and such a manhunt as Western Texas had never seen before was soon in progress. Many members of the posse were on horseback or on foot as they beat their way through clumps of trees, searched high grass in the bottoms of ravines, and peered around boulders and canyons. End quote. Jeez. God. The searchers discovered various items, mostly blood-stained rags and bandages, but the fugitives fugitives eluded them and managed to steal another car the next morning on Christmas Eve day. The search continued all day Saturday and through Saturday night with no success. That evening at a church service in Eastland, when St. Nicholas entered the building, a little boy called out, Santa Claus, why did you rob that bank? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. God, he's really tarnished Santa's reputation in this town. Yeah. Oh, no. Ratliff and his crew wrecked in Putnam and carjacked another vehicle from a young driller named Carl Wiley, forcing forcing Wiley to drive for them. And as the car drove off, Wiley's father shot at them with a shotgun and only managed to shoot his own son. Oh, my God. It's just a lot of guns in Texas. There's a lot. Go- yeah. Oh, my God. There's a okay. Things were getting rough for the three fugitives. They hid out all night with nothing to eat but oranges, which they did not share with the injured Wiley. They were all wounded, hungry, and cold. They decided the next morning that they would return to Cisco and hide in plain sight. Uh, okay. Are we still dressed as Santa? I don't know. I don't okay, think so. Okay, because that's not soups unassuming. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they gave Wiley uh, his car and his freedom, and they stole yet another vehicle. Wow. The next morning, so I think this is Christmas Day, the three mm-hmm. ran into an ambush in a little town called South Bend. As they were about to cross the Brazos River, they spotted cops on the other side of the bridge. So they put their car in reverse and backed up as quickly as they could, spun around, and another car chase ensued. Ratliff, Jesus. Helms, and Hill jumped out of the car in an oil field and ran, not knowing they were being hunted now by Deputy Sheriff Cy Bradford. Ooh. Bradford is famous for bringing law and order to the coal fields of Strawn and later as a Texas Ranger during the wild and volatile oil days. His career included a great many gunfights and Bradford always won. Before his car had even come to a complete stop, he was out of it with old Betsy, his double-barreled shotgun, and an extra pair of shells in one hand. As the threesome ran, Bradford fired one shot, and one of the three men fell. He reloaded before firing again. The other two kept running, firing back over their shoulders. Bradford fired a second shot. Another one fell, but staggered back up and kept going. Bradford Mm. shoved the second shell from his hand into his shotgun and shot again. The third fell to his knees, but got himself back up and staggered into the machinery of the oil well. Wow. It was Ratliff that had been the one that did not get back up. It was said he was a walking arsenal with no less than six gunshot wounds and six pistols in his possession when he was captured, including the one from the bank. Helms and Hill escaped into the woods by the Brazos River. 
The manhunt for Helms and Hill never let up, so they wouldn't have time to rest or heal. They brought in airplane assistance, but couldn't spot them in the forest. Their trail was eventually picked up, and it was clear they were not doing well. Their tracks were very close together, showing that they were shuffling along with their injuries and on inclines reduced to crawling to keep moving. They were eventually caught in Graham, Texas on December 30th, seven days after the bank robbery, because they stopped to ask some dude for directions to a boarding house, and he took one look at them and their weapons and called the cops. Uh uh, well, yeah. I mean, they're probably all bloody, disheveled, fucking shit hot mess. What are you? Oh my god! Guns, uh, like, oh, we're looking for a boarding house. Uh, yeah, um, I gotta uh, call uh, someone. Yeah, you're not looking soups chill at all. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, wow. Despite all three men having sustained serious injuries and lack of food for so long, they all survived to go to trial. Oh, Henry shit. Helms was identified as the one who fired the shots that killed those two officers outside the bank. He was given the death penalty. He tried to plead insanity to no avail and was executed by electric chair in September of 1929. Mm. Robert Hill pled guilty to armed robbery, actually took the stand in his trial, crying for mercy and claiming an unhappy childhood. He was given a 99 year sentence. He escaped prison mm. three times. Jesus Christ. He was captured. These guys. I know. And he was captured each time. He finally calmed down and was actually paroled in the mid 40s. And supposedly he changed his name and lived a normal life and died in 1996. Oh, well, good for him. Mm hmm. Ratliff, actually the first one to go to trial of the three, was found guilty and sentenced to 99 years for armed robbery at the end of January 1928. That was literally like a month later. It was so fast back then. It was so fast back then. They did not mess around. Mm-mm. No appeals. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. A couple months later, at the end of March, he was also found guilty for his participation in the death of the two officers and sentenced to death. Although no one actually witnessed Ratliff, dressed as Santa, fire a gun from the bank. He appealed, also pleading insanity. And when that failed, he really started playing it up, acting erratic and behaving oddly. Right. His mother Mm -hmm. filed for a lunacy hearing in Huntsville. The people of Eastland County were getting pissed. They wanted Mm -hmm. him to be executed like now. And the notion that he may escape justice with this insanity nonsense was not sitting well with them. So, okay. A judge wrote a bench warrant for Ratliff for the armed robbery of the Oldsmobile. Remember the first one they carjacked but abandoned after that 14-year-old ran off with the keys? <laughs> yeah. One night in November, while awaiting execution there, Ratliff pulled a fast one on the two jailers who were watching him. He feigned an illness and pretended to be paralyzed, and he convinced them to bathe him and feed him as an invalid. And while they were taking him to the bathroom, he got his hands on a gun that that was just sitting on a desk. Jesus Christ! What is going on? So a fight ensues, Uh right? He shot and killed one of those two jailers, and then he gets into a violent fight with the other one. And most of the town watched on from outside, unable to do anything to help this jailer because of the steel door on the building. And they were all there because he was supposed to be executed. Well, they were there because they wanted to get a peek of this guy. Yeah. I mean, people were looky-looking, right? Uh, Because he was... Holy shit. 
So the cop did wow. manage to beat the living shit out of Ratliff and throw him back in the cell unconscious. But by early evening the next day, almost 2,000 people were camped outside the jail, and they were all, let us have him! Oh, God. The remaining jailer that didn't die the night before, he wasn't having it. But he was overruled by 15 to 20 men who tossed him aside and dragged Ratliff (gasps) out. No. Oh, yes. They tied his hands and feet and dragged him to an empty lot behind the theater in town that incidentally was currently running a production of a play called The Noose. No. And that mob lynched him. Oh, my God. And it was messy. Oh, God. Their first attempts didn't work, and so they had to try again. It was a whole thing. And it took him, like, 20 minutes to die. Oh, no. God, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. I don't... Oh. They put his body uh, in a furniture store, and the next day, hordes of townspeople came to view it until a judge intervened to have it taken away. Gross! What is wrong with these people? (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) The First National Bank still stands in Cisco, although it is in a new building. It features a painting of the robbery, as well as a collection of newspaper clippings and pictures of those involved. In 1967, Hmm. the Texas State Historical Survey Committee placed a medallion on the bank commemorating the robbery. Uh, When I went looking for a Christmas crime or a chaos story, I found the story in a listicle, and it claimed that a classic drawing of a Santa Claus face was actually used to help identify the criminals, but I couldn't find any articles that actually confirmed that. What? (laughs) They made it sound like (laughs) just this cartoon Uh, classic drawing of like a rosy-cheeked Santa Claus head was like on the the wanted flyer. (laughs) Oh my god. I fucking hope that happened. I hope that's true. We brought in a sketch artist and they just drew Santa. Yes. Have you seen this man? Right. Oh my God. I fucking love that so much. <laughs> and that is the story <laughs> of the Santa Claus <sighs> bank robbery. Wow, sister. <laughs> that was fucked. <laughs> oh my. I don't have any words for that one. <laughs> Holy shit. Thank you for that. Things were different in Texas back then. Uh, apparently, a little, just a little bit though. Just, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. wow. Well, sister, we did it. Mm-hmm. We did a Christmas episode. We did it. We did a Christmas episode, and I'm really proud of us. And uh, I, uh, I'm a little bit bombed, uh, but you know, I, I think that uh, this wacky bank robbery sort of made up for it. Sort of. Well, until it got to the lynching. The lynching was bad. Yeah, that really put a bummer in. I'm sorry. In that. That's how that That's ended. Okay. Mob, That's okay. That's okay. I understand. Rule. Mob rule, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Well, um... Anything for the good of the order? People, yeah, people should follow us on all the socials. All we're the on socials. all the things. We're on yes. the Facebooks all the socials. And the Instagrams. We're on the Twitters. You can find me on the mm-hmm. Twitters at Misnomers. You can... Uh, send us uh, hate mail or love mail or oh my gosh did you see this mail at uh, crime wine and chaos at gmail.com yep give us five stars tell your friends send them this send them this episode and say Merry Christmas (laughs) (laughs) and to all a good night (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, Sissy, that was really that was fun, and that was also really, 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 really fucking chaotic. <laughs> Have a chaotic Christmas. Bye, kids. Bye, kids. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Crime, Wine, and Chaos. The podcast art was done by Joshua M. Davis. Music by Paul Abner. You can find us on Facebook at Crime, Wine, and Chaos, on Instagram at Crime, Wine, and Chaos Pod, or check out our website at crimewineandchaos.com. Cheers! Thanks again for listening to True Crime by Indie Drop-In Network. If you would like to nominate a true crime podcast to be featured, just send me a tweet at Indie Drop-In. I'd also love to hear if one of our featured podcasts is now your favorite show. Indie Drop-In survives off ad revenue and listener donations. If you would like to contribute, please consider buying me a coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Indie Drop-In. If you look at the very bottom of the episode description, I put a link in there to make it really easy. Indie Drop-In has many other shows that you also might like. Just go to IndieDropIn.com. All right, see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.